Hello, my name is L.C. Norton, and this is the Payout Podcast with IDS women's basketball beat writers Amanda Foster, Matt Seabree, and myself. Indiana's been on hiatus due to COVID-19 issues for the program, so we're here to discuss the season so far with a teeny preview of Illinois and Michigan. Amanda, how have you been? I've been pretty good. I've been missing Indiana basketball, um, not going to lie. I did kind of lose my voice at the men's game, so if we have some voice cracks today... That's what it is, and we're going to move past it. You know, I, I kind of have been noticing that, and I'm like, hmm, there's something yeah. different about the voice, and now yeah. it's hit me. Yes, that is it. Yeah, that's a same same here. Uh, just trying to stay, aside from the voice crack issues, just trying to stay warm on this very cold. Yeah, so how about that uh, Purdue morning. men's game? Yeah, that's that's where I lost my voice. Um, pretty bonkers, hashtag big shot Rob. Yep. Uh, yeah, team, the basketball team's... And I swept Purdue. All of for, Indiana teams swept Purdue. Yeah, and swim and dive. all the one that uh, both men and women swim and dive. Uh, yeah. yeah. IU and simply swim. said boiler dive. Um, <laughs> all right, we're just going to go into a roundtable. We published a written roundtable over this hiatus, but now we're going to do a bit of one in audio form. And we're going to start with our, so far, midseason, close enough, most valuable player, Amanda. Who do you got? I'm going to go with Allie Papperg. Um, she's back for her fifth season as a Hoosier and seventh season of collegiate basketball overall, which is crazy in it of itself, showing how talented she is and how dedicated she is. Um, she doesn't necessarily lead them really at all. Mackenzie Holmes and what's the goal? They lead on the stat sheet for the most part. Um, but Terry Morin keeps coming back to her in like post-game press conferences, and she keeps saying that like her, contribution, her contributions don't stop, show up on the stat sheet, but they mean just as much. Um, and she she's one that really is able to pass to her open teammates so they can have great shots. Um, I, against Purdue, she didn't really have a lot of success, and she was able to still contribute in other ways besides making baskets. Um, and so I think her willingness to have, make those sacrifices um, have been very important and continue to be very important throughout the rest of the season. All right, she goes with Allie Papberg. All right, Matt, who do you got? Yeah, um, obviously all five starters are, they all are the five most important players on the team far and away, but uh, if I had to pick one, I'd have to say Mackenzie Holmes. Um, you know, prior to her injury, she's been leading the team in points, rebounds, and blocks. Uh, when she's on the floor, they run their offense through her. They're always looking to get Mackenzie Holmes a shot. Um, you see, I mean, we've seen as we've gone through the season, teams double team Mackenzie Holmes uh, more often when she gets the ball. And then on the defensive end, she is always guarding the team's best post player and, uh, you know, doing well at it. And to show for it, she was named to the Wooden Award midseason watch list, uh, the top 25 um, players in the country, according to the Wooden Award watch list the midway point of this season. Um, and then in the two games where Mackenzie Holmes has been out, and that looks like it's going to be uh, something that happens possibly moving forwards, we're not really sure. Um, a lot of uncertainty there still. Uh, but without her in the two games um, against Nebraska, uh, the team struggled against an opponent that they probably shouldn't have struggled that much against. And then Purdue, that game, obviously, in that environment, a uh, great game, went to overtime. Um, but again, probably not one that going into it with a healthy Mackenzie Holmes, 
you would have expected IU to go to overtime against Purdue. So I think, uh, you know, we can, we've been able to see Mackenzie Holmes with the team and the team without Mackenzie Holmes, and I think that's really shown just how much value she adds to the team. Luke, Alrighty. how about you? All righty. Um, so in that similar vein, so far, I'd say Mackenzie Holmes. Going forward in light of her injury, I would say Grace Berger. I mean, Holmes has just kind of been the go-to option for Indiana offense. If it's like win in doubt, go down low, she will be there. She will have some move in the paint, and she will get the ball in the basket. However, they are going to be without her for a while, and a player that has really stepped up in her absence has been Grace Berger. I mean, big shot Berger, I mean, against Purdue, really, like, willing them towards that win. I mean, that's, like, playmaker just everywhere you need her to be. She can be there. Um, she's not necessarily going to check up a lot of threes. She was checking up a lot of threes earlier in the season, but it was not going so well, so she understood, okay, if I would do more of what I do well, and she has just burst onto the scene as a scorer and just filled in on offense for Mackenzie Holmes' absence. All right, moving on to breakout player of the year, Amanda. What do you got? I'm going to go, so I feel like one of the – benefits per se of Mackenzie Holmes not being as present on the team and going forward not less not knowing what she's going to have to go through before she can come back um, is that Alexa Goulbe has had a little bit more of a chance to shine on her own. Um, she has, and we've talked about this after the Nebraska game, how she's kind of been second to Mackenzie Holmes throughout the season um, in, term, in multiple statistics, scoring, uh, rebounds, everything, blocks, everything like that. Um, and she has shown that she can be an offensive threat from the three-point line as well, um, which is something that I think is really important. Obviously, you want to make three-pointers if you can because it's harder to guard against perimeter, especially against Gulbe, who's 6'3 and quite tall. Um, but she's making about 45% of her, her, her three-point shots. Um, and so with Holmes on the bench specifically unable to make those layups inside, I think Gulbe has had – she's already broken out kind of since the beginning of the season – um, and she's going to continue to do so throughout the rest of the year, especially if Holmes is not able to come back to her fullest potential. All right, Matt, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, like Amanda said, Alexa Golbe has had probably the biggest uh, improvement on the team in terms of like year-to-year skill and actual talent. But in terms of the actual importance to the team, I think Keandra Brown um, has proved herself to be kind of She's broken out as an important rotational piece for this Indiana team. Um, obviously, the bench is so shallow. Uh, there's been, you know, a hesitance, it seems, to rely on the bench and give them a ton of minutes. But when she's been needed and when she's been called upon, Keandra Brown has come in and provided great minutes for uh, the team, you know, defensively. Uh, guarding players who on the other teams are starters and not necessarily putting up huge numbers but providing a lot of energy you know she takes I I don't have any stats on this but she takes more charges per minute than I have ever seen any player take um, and she just has shown herself to be uh, very very you know important for the team coming off the bench Alrighty, so I'm going to agree with Amanda here. When I wrote a season preview column, my predictions, 
I predicted Alexa Golpe would emerge as more of a scoring threat, and I feel vindicated. Yes. Um, it was not just because of Holmes' injury. I mean, Alexa Golpe was really, really, like, proving it as a scoring threat before Mackenzie Holmes went down. And since then, the team has looked her way more often. She was really kind of carrying the team in that first half against Purdue, but Golpe has always been a contributor for this team as long as she's been here. But she has really taken that extra step to be able to fit not only fill in for Mackenzie Holmes, but also working alongside her to really put up the points for this team. All right. Let's look to at the best contribution from the bench. Amanda? So I'm going to go with what Matt said with Kendra Brown um, for this category. Because, Matt, like you mentioned, bench play is quite shallow. Um, players coming off the bench and being successful has not always been very consistent or guaranteed. Um, but one that I feel like is becoming more frequent and more like expected is Kendra Brown, that she subs in for Holmes and Goulbay, and she's able to make those contributions, like you said, take charges, force fouls from the other team. Um, she has a ton of energy, and it seems like she's always like yelling, um, falling on the floor, everything like that. It's like she's really able to add to the team in more ways than just like getting in there and scoring points because she's not one of their big point scorers, Matt, like you said. All right, Matt. What do you think? Yeah, um, off the bench, I gotta, I gotta stay with you know. I said she was the breakout player for the team. I think Keandra Brown has been the most important uh, contributor for this team off the bench. And moving forward, she might not really be on the bench if uh, <laughs> if Mackenzie Holmes is out longer. Um, she has been starting in Mackenzie Holmes' place in the two games where she was out. So uh, I think that kind of shows just how important she's been for this team. That. When a starter went down, she was the one that's been called on to step into that uh, into that starting role. And, yeah, she's just, uh, you know, been a huge energy player, like you said, Amanda. You know, just every time there's a loose ball, it seems like she's diving on the floor for it, taking charges, going to the ground, you know, just being providing whatever the team needs her to provide, it seems. So I went two ways for the MVP, and I'm going to do it again off the bench. I mean... On defense, Moore McNeil has been great for this team. I mean, when she subbed in for one of the two forwards and they both been playing, she could be relied on to maintain the team's lead that the starters have built. However, on offense, they don't look her way the same way they do if there's two starting forwards. However, when they sub in Chloe Moore McNeil for one of the guards, she has been able to provide a bit of a spark. She is a shooter. She does shoot quite a bit. And, I mean, that really mattered against Purdue at the end there. She hit a really important three-pointer. Um, and Terry Morin said after that game she wants her to keep taking those shots. And, I mean, if Indiana can develop her into a shooter moving forward, I mean, look out. Um, all right, moving on to the team's biggest strength, but also their greatest weakness. Amanda, what do you think? Okay, for biggest strength, I'm going to say their motivation and determination, and then I'll elaborate after um, greatest weakness is their bench. It's probably not much of a surprise to anybody at this point. I feel like we, it's talked about a lot because it's just, it's true. Um, in terms of motivation and determination, you could tell from even before the season began, like at Big Ten Media Day or just in the way that they were conducting themselves, that Indiana women's basketball wants to get back to the Elite Eight and they want to go further. Um, and I think we've seen that grow as the season has gone on. You know, they've lost to these top teams like Stanford, and each time they say after, that they're going to learn from it, they're going to grow from it. Like, they take it with stride. They, they're they upset because, obviously, you don't want to lose to a team like that, but they're using it to their advantage more, and they're determined to use it so they can improve in that way. However, 
then we get to the issues with the bench is if players like Mackenzie Holmes are injured or are not having great games and you can't go to your bench for good, reliable players, how can you expect to make a deep run in the postseason? And especially in the NCAA tournament where there are upsets almost every, like it feels like almost every game or there are probably there are things going on almost every game that you have to be prepared for even when you don't know what they're going to be. And so to have a team that is relatively young, relatively inexperienced because the starting five is getting so much playtime, um, that's going to have to change, I think, for them to do well in the Big Ten tournament and the rest of the season and then the NCAA tournament. All right, Matt, what do you see as their greatest strength but also their greatest weakness? Yeah, I really wasn't very creative here. I think <laughs> this team is pretty straightforward. I mean, I think their biggest strength is their starting five. I think their biggest weakness is their depth off the bench. This team's IU starting five, it might be the best or one of the best starting fives in the country. They're that good. They can go toe-to-toe with absolutely anyone. The issue is those starting five are playing, it feels like, 35, 40 minutes every game, every single one of them. There's just not a lot of depth. And, you know, like you said, Amanda, if if when a starter goes down, and uh, like Mackenzie Holmes did, and that, again, we don't know how long that she will be out for, where does this team go for production uh, if if starters go down? There's just, because it, you know, creates that chain effect. Someone's got to step up. In this case, Keandra Brown is now in the starting five, but that means the rotation is even shorter, and now they have even less depth off the bench. So I think, yeah, especially, like you said, Amanda, when they go into the tournament uh, where it seems like a different player can pop off and have a great game at any point, you need this bet. You need the depth, and you need to be able to sub people in to give your starters a break, so you have them in those big moments. I don't like to go abstract a lot, but my biggest strength for them would have to be their fight. But their greatest weakness, and we are all in agreement, is the bench. Um, but as far as its fight, I mean, Indiana. Yeah. Indiana simply does not give up. It does not matter how hopeless a situation looks. It does not matter how much they're down by, which has never been by a lot, um, they will simply do whatever they can to get back into a game that happened in a losing effort against NC State, and it dragged them to a win against Purdue. I mean, if you think about that Purdue game, I mean, those starters were exhausted. Purdue was able to sub out their starters. Indiana was not able to do so. I mean, two injuries, that's not great. They were not able to sub out their starters, yet still those starters powered Indiana to a win. So really, it's fight. We'll just keep it in these games, even if it does lose players. However, on the flip side of that, it's bench. It's not just that these players aren't getting rest and that the bench doesn't really contribute, that it's small. You have to be careful. I mean, Big Ten officiating has not been all that great so far this season. So a few wonky calls, and all of a sudden, you have a freshman forward going up against a junior who is just built. It is a terrifying thought for an Indiana women's basketball fan. And it is just not so, like, I mean, this Indiana team has to be aggressive if it wants to use that fight, but it really sometimes can't afford to do that. All right. Moving forward, looking up at Illinois, which Amanda was recently rescheduled. Yeah. Um, well, so to clarify, the Illinois game this Thursday is not. That will still happen at Assembly Hall. Um, it'll, it'll go on like normal. 
Um, but Indiana was supposed to play Illinois February 10th, and Illinois announced earlier today that it had, it's been moved to uh, 7 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday, February 9th, um, to allow for uh, rescheduling of games that have been, been postponed due to COVID-19. Um, so there's no, we don't know what exactly is going to happen, if Indiana will have another game, if Illinois will have another game in between, if both will, um, not against each other, but against someone else that they need to play. Um, but that's, that is some recent news. Man, I am slightly devastated. It is on a Wednesday. <laughs> that is a weekday. We can no longer go to Champagne. And when, Wednesday at 8 p.m. for us in, in Indiana. Man. Not a great time. A little midweek um, evening basketball. That's a bit late for me personally. <laughs> a mid but it's not, okay. a, not only is it midweek evening basketball, it is midweek evening basketball team that is currently six and eleven overall, one and five in the conference. Their sole conference win a sixty-eight to forty-seven win over Wisconsin. So oof. Um and uh I mean Illinois has been outscored like 71.5 to 65.5 that's gross um they have <laughs> one, put it nicely <laughs> they have one player alia nye in double figures so oof um any takes about this matchup i mean does much more need to be said um i don't know i feel like you've you've definitely alluded to things um However, I will say for Thursday, I think it could be interesting just because Indiana has not played since the 16th, I believe, when they played Purdue. And so having that time off could either be really, really good, or they could come on and be flat because they haven't played in so long. And especially depending on who is starting and who is in the right state of health could be could be interesting, at least in the beginning of the game. However, I do think that something ridiculous would have to happen for Illinois to beat Indiana. Yeah, uh, I mean, like you said, it, it, it's really the only thing you can look at here is Indiana hasn't played in, what now, uh, 10 days almost by the time the game happens, 10 days, and Illinois played yesterday as of this recording on Monday, January 24th. Um, so they're more fresh, but Indiana really hasn't shown that that's been a problem for them at all this season. And, I mean, Illinois is only averaging a little over 65 points per game. IU is a phenomenal defensive team. I don't see how, even without Mackenzie Holmes, how Illinois is going to be able to score enough points to overcome Indiana. And, and Illinois just lost to Iowa. And Iowa can kill anybody's vibe because Caitlin Clark is insane. Yeah, so. yes. Uh, that could also just be a little bit of a, um, you know, morale. They they might there. still be recovering from that. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, Iowa definitely killed Indiana football's vibe. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, on the completely opposite end of the spectrum, Michigan. Um, uh, the last time Indiana faced a Big Ten contender, it just barely won. This time, it'll need to do so in an away environment. Not sure what players are going to be available. It probably won't include Mackenzie Holmes. I mean, Michigan, completely different animal. Sixteen and two overall, seven and one in the Big Ten. Um, but their only Big Ten loss—that's a one. Next to that, seven was to Nebraska. 
and it was a 79 to 58 blowout? What? <laughs> Big Ten basketball. Yeah. But, but honestly, yeah, that's, I think that's the only thing you can say about it. That's um, so confuzzling. Because it was at Nebraska, and Nebraska had something going so right for them that game. Um, what was in the water in Lincoln? That's a great question. I think I think Michigan maybe more so though had something go wrong. I have to say because looking at their record and their statistics, um, and then looking at Indiana playing Nebraska and the way that Nebraska is playing overall, like I think it was a bit of a fluke game, and I don't want to be like super mean about it, but <laughs> at the same time, yeah, I don't think it will be like I. Yeah. I think that was a, a one-off. It's Big Ten basketball. Flukes happen. I mean, this is a Michigan team that also went on the road to College Park, Maryland, and beat Maryland by 20. So I I think this is just one of those cases where it's it's any team is going to be dangerous. This Michigan team, though, is genuinely very good. They are a genuinely, uh, you know, they are a talented team. This is a team that can win games. Yeah, Big Ten basketball happens. Please continue to eat at Arby's. Um, so, I mean, Michigan, 73.1 points per game. That's pretty good. And then you see the opponent, they, what they hold their opponents to, 58.1. So, really good offense, really good defense. Oof. Um, average is about 40 rebounds per game. That is a lot. So, um, yikes. Um, yeah. Also nearly 16 turnovers, which isn't great, but, you know, um, Naz Hillman is averaging almost 20 points per game. Pretty bad, and she is a forward. So if you think about that, Indiana's missing its best forward. Oof. Um, For more reasons than just scoring points. And the bench is much more involved than that of Indiana, but that is not saying much. Um, so honestly, just takes looking at this game where Indiana currently stands. I don't think this is a winnable game. Yeah, I'm I'm not feeling too hot about it. Um, the rebounds scare me. 40 rebounds is a whole lot of rebounds. And since we are assuming that Mackenzie Holmes will not play, and I think even if she will, if she miraculously has is really good at knee rehab, um, I don't know if she would be at her best. And trying to compete against a team that is able to get that many rebounds, score that many points, is going to be hard no matter what. And so I, I don't think that Indiana will be able to pull it out. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think they're going to lose by 20 points. Um, but I don't think they're going to be entirely successful. All right, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, um, I, I got to agree with Amanda here. I don't, I mean, we've seen Indiana be able to go against much faster-paced teams and slow them down, bring them down to Indiana's very slow level. Indiana's not really had a tough team like a Michigan where it's this team that's ranked in the top 10, they're currently number eight, and they pay, play more of Indiana's style of slower, smash mouth, working inside basketball. And, you know, as, as you said, Luke, uh, Naz Hillman, I mean, she's averaging about 24 points per game and 11 and a half rebounds. Without Mackenzie Holmes down there to be able to compete with her, I don't see how Indiana can overcome that. I yeah, I think, especially on the road, I think this Michigan team pulls it out. Yeah. Yep. Michigan looks bonkers. I'm going to give this game an official rating of uh, yikes. Um, <laughs> yikes. All right. 
And that is all that we have for you this week. Please continue to tune in to the Payoff Podcast as we bring you more and more updates, takes, and other things on Indiana women's basketball. One last time, I am L.C. Norton. Please have a spectacular day.